you know, you watch those videos and there's so many things jumping out at you and so many good things. I think, first Pastor Trevor. <laughs> it's real hard to do that. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever had to record yourselves. It's, it's not easy. When you do it live, it's real easy because you make a mistake. You're on your way. No one remembers. You do it in front of a camera and all of a sudden the pressure's on and I've seen people crack like that. <laughs> but uh, Pastor Ralph is on his way back from New Zealand and... Uh, Pastor Carl and Pastor Mel and uh, Pastor Kanani and Pastor Trevor are all in Australia at Hillsong, which is kind of cool. Um, and so this week, I get to talk to you. Yay! That's why. That's why you guys are my absolute favorite service. And, and I'm not saying that to all the services, just to you guys. But what we do want to do, uh, a couple of things I want to highlight. One is, don't, don't you love it that, that our church believes in equipping the young people, that there's camps going on, and, and we're doing the homestay program. And if you guys are, are interested in homestaying some of the, the Japanese kids, uh, you can see Pastor Rob. He can go ahead and, and get you hooked up or however they're doing it. Um, we're also sending a team to Sendai. Next Friday, I believe, you're leaving, right, Pastor Rob? Next Friday, the team's going to go in there and go and help with the relief effort. And they're going to be on the ground there for, I think, two weeks, 10 days, two weeks, um, two weeks. And so we could definitely be praying for them. I'm not sure if they put, there it is. In fact, uh, so what I'd like to do is I'd like to just say a prayer for them and we'll just pray uh, as a congregation just to send them off and just, one, that God will be able to use them in a mighty way, not only to just help with the relief effort, but also to just share his light with people, to spread his love with people, to make sure that people know that there is indeed a God out there that loves and cares about them regardless of their circumstance. So if you guys could just bow your heads and pray with me, why don't we just say a quick prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and Father, we just lift up this team to you. Father, the teams are going to Sendai, led by Pastor Rob. Father, I pray that you'd use them in miraculous ways. Father, I pray that through their prayers, through their hands, that we would see sickness go away, we'd see um, healings happen. Father, we'd see hope restored. Father, we'd see eyes opened. And Father, most of all, we'd see your love just being made manifest through their hands, through their feet, through their actions, through their words. Father, I pray that in everything that they do, that your Holy Spirit would be with them and that your love would go out. And Father, I pray uh, most especially just um, like this, what this girl said in the video, that she would be able to dream again. And Father, I pray that you would just give them amazing dreams um, and amazing hope. We thank you so much for this team and for the sacrifice it takes for them to get there and for the work that they're willing to do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, so we're, we're in for a treat tonight. Ha, ha, ha. Everyone just kind of snickers. Ha, yes, we are. You know, um, last week, you guys remember what we talked about last week? Love. It was a nice, happy, cheerful chapter, right? Nice, happy, like 13 verses in it or 15 verses or whatever. This chapter has like 40 verses in it, so hang on tight. We're in for a ride. Uh, we're going to try to get through all of it real quickly. But it actually is a real cool message. As I was preparing, um, Pastor Tom and I, he, he wrote the notes this week, and we're talking about, you know, what do we want to take out of this? Where do we want to go with this? And, and so he calls it keeping things in order. And sometimes you kind of need these kind of messages that just kind of say, hey, let's make sure that we're all on the same page. Let's make sure that as a church, we're all together on this. Because really, we exist as a church to really give Jesus to people, right? And we want to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to give Jesus in a way that is, is um, conducive to them receiving it. That we don't, wanna, we don't wanna bash it over their head, we don't wanna scream in their face, we wanna make it in such a way that, that people that come here will have a good atmosphere to receive Jesus. And so that's kind of what we're talking about today. And you know, as, as 
as we talked about love last week in the beginning, the second part of that message really is about just maturing and growing up, right? And, and some of the things that you did as a child, which were acceptable as a child, start to become unacceptable when you become an adult or when you start growing up. My daughter is turning two next month, and she is, aw, thanks. I, I think she's real cute too. But she's, you know, she's hitting the terrible too. She's getting a little more possessive. She knows what she wants, which is fabulous because, you know, I want her to know what she wants. But then she also knows what she doesn't want, and she's very vocal about it. And so trips to the restaurant used to be way easier. Now, we, you know, it's a little more challenging. Now, we're, we're that family that, you know, everyone's like, oh, who brought their kid to the restaurant? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? You, you sit there, and you're like, oh, ruining my whole evening. Yeah, now we're that family. So I apologize. If you see us in the restaurant, slip us some goldfish or veggie straws, and that'll keep us quiet for another five minutes. But, but you, you know, as you grow and as you mature, you know that, hey, things that were acceptable before are not now. And that's a great thing, right? I mean, imagine if we all stayed as five-year-old kids and had that mentality our whole lives. Man, the world would be a real loud, angry, selfish place. But as you grow up, you learn, oh, it's actually better to give than to receive. You actually get joy out of giving things. And, and things that, you, that, as a child, you thought were fantastic simply are not so anymore. And I believe that's part of just growing up. I believe that's part of knowing God better. You know, we ask that question, who's keeping you in line? And uh, You know how many first responses were your wives or your spouses? <laughs> Followed by fear of said spouse, right? Um, but, but, you know, our group, see, here's what I love about Saturday night, our group. They just go, oh, it's the love of the Lord. It's prayer. And I go, amen. <laughs> Except, I, you know, I mean, I bet you they're telling the truth. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but anyway, just kidding. Paul, Mike, I know you guys are telling the truth. But really, that's what it is. As you mature, right, you want to do good. You want to, start, you want to start doing things for the Lord. You want to start pleasing him more and more. Every day you want to wake up and go, God, what can I do? How can you use me today? Right? Before, it's like, God, what can you give me? God, get, help me get an A on my test. Or God, help me, you know, get that girl to like me. Or God, help me get my driver's license. And then as you grow up, then it turns into God. What, who, who can I pray for today? Who can I bless today, Right? If you're not there yet, then let's pray about that. I mean, this is, this is where we need to be. Who can we bless today? But anyway, uh, before we get started in 1 Corinthians 14, I'm going to read a quick, chapter, a quick passage out of Ephesians chapter 1. And this is verse 16 through 20. It says, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that Christ raised from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And I read this and I read Paul's heart to the, to the church at Ephesus and he's saying, I want you to grow up. I want you to start knowing God. I want you to have a better understanding of who he is. Verse 18, right? I pray that your hearts be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. Paul's saying, it's very important that you know God. It's very important that you know his heart. My prayer for you guys is that you guys all get to know this more and more. And you see Paul, as he's writing here, saying, again, let's grow up. Let's move forward. Let's mature. Here's the thing. You got to believe God's on your side. Right? God's not here to, to smite you, or he's not here to show you his wrath, or he's not here just to try and see if you really love him so he's going to mess you up. You know, God's on your side. He wants you to grow. You know, he, I, th I believe he put all of us in this church tonight because he wants us to grow. He wants us to be encouraged. 
And that's not to say that bad things don't happen, but God's saying, hey, what I want you to know is my heart so that when the bad things do happen, you know who I am. You know I'm your shepherd. You know I'm your peace. You know I'm your comfort. You know I'm your joy. And so as, he's, as we're reading this, try and, try and really look at it from that heart, that God is on your side, and really, he wants the church, he wants the church, his people, to grow. He wants them all to mature. He wants them to all be equipped. You know, we focus a lot on equipping here. Why? Because we believe that's the way to get his word out. We equip you, and you take it to wherever you go. You know, we're not here to just puff you up and give you stuff. We're here because we want you to take this wherever you go. And so as we're reading this, Try and think about it through that. Just think about it. God wants you to grow so that you can bless other people. Okay, so now, uh, 1 Corinthians 14. We'll start in verse 1. That's a good place to start. Verse 1. Okay. He says, let love be your highest goal. Right? This, is, this is coming off of 13 where he's talking about, and the greatest of these, faith, hope, and love, um, of, of these things. What does he say? Shucks, I lost it. Three will remain, right? Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of this is love. So coming right off of there, he says, and let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it'll all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish, I wish uh, you, you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is better than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what, is, what you are saying so that... I'm sorry. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you're saying so the whole, the whole church can be strengthened. Dear brothers and sisters, should I come to you speaking in an unknown language? How would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that would be helpful. Even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play the notes clearly or no one will recognize the melody. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how can the soldiers know when they're being called, uh, they're being called to battle? So he's saying here, okay, so right, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in, in chapter 12. We talked about the spiritual gifts and he's saying to some um, this Holy Spirit gives the, the ability to speak in unknown languages, others to, to interpret it, some the ability to prophesy. And Paul is saying, we should desire what is the most useful. So speaking in tongues is not bad. In fact, it's great. The Holy Spirit still gave that to us. But he's saying in the church setting, we should use what is the most helpful to other people. And in this case, he's saying prophesy because it strengthens the church, right? Um, I think the King James says it edifies, exhorts, and it comforts. That's what a word of prophecy does. So he's saying here, that's what you should desire, because while speaking in tongues is fabulous, you're really only building up yourself. And really, you don't even understand what you're saying. It's between you and God, or it's between the Holy Spirit and God. And so he's saying, try and, try and pick something that's the most useful. Okay, so the flip side to that is, and you can kind of read between the lines here, is what he's saying is, hey, so if you guys are all desiring this tongues thing, you may be distracting other people, right? There's, there's, there's kind of, as we're going to read throughout this whole thing, there's kind of an order. There's kind of a process that we want you to have. So he's saying, let's, let's take away all the distractions. And again, I'm speaking in tongues is a distraction because people don't understand it and you just sound like you're, you're babbling in, a, in another language. Is that really useful? Is that what we want to do? You know, and so again, as we, as, we, as we look at this, right, what is the most useful to the most amount of people? What is the process involved? I just, um, I was in the Philippines the last couple of weeks or the last week. I went with compassion. You know, we had that big compassion Sunday. 
and we all sponsored kids, or some of us sponsored kids. So I got to go to see what they do, and it was an amazing, eye-opening experience. I don't think I've ever been to, um, well, okay, I've never been to the Philippines, so I've never been to some of these areas where, where really they're very poor, you know, they're very much in poverty. And we went to this one house, because they take you on these home visits, and one, it's, um, it's built it's built out of bamboo, but it's built over the ocean. So it's built over the ocean, and it's, it's, I guess it's well-crafted, but you know, it's built out of bamboo, so it looks like it's not really well-crafted. And so we're walking into this place, and first thing we're thinking is, oh my goodness, please don't let us fall through the ground, because I'd be really embarrassed if I broke their house. <laughs> Luckily, there's a guy in our, in our group who's larger than I am. I think he's about 6'2", 280. And so I just walked wherever he went, thinking that if he didn't fall through, I'm probably safe. But we go there, and, and, and the first thing you notice is there's no, there's no screens, right? There's no real windows. I mean, there's like holes in the wall for windows, and there's, um, there's gaps in the wall because it's just bamboo. And so people are like peeking in because they want to see who's at the house or whatever. Then you look up at the roof, and you just see like garbage bags are um, like, like uh, what's the word? Filling the holes. Like they're mending the, the roof with garbage bags. And the first thing you think is, man, this is, this is really tough. You know, how much, and we ask, how much would it cost to fix that roof and just give them a new roof? And they go, oh, about $60. And then you think, $60? I could give them $60 and just fix their roof. You know, wouldn't, you'd think that's a really good thing, right? All these giving people in the church, yeah, it's a good thing. Fixing a roof's a good thing. Um, you know, we actually went with two general contractors. So they're looking at everything going, we could just fix this like in a day. We could come out here and just fix it. And so we're talking to our, our guide uh, from the Compassion staff. And he goes, here's the thing. He goes, it's a process. This is why we believe in what we do. We're not a relief organization. We're not here just to fix roofs. We're here to actually, you know, their whole thing is teach the man to fish rather than give them the fish, right? He goes, we don't want them to get this kind of mentality that, that rich people will come in here or even just Americans or whomever will come in here and just fix their roofs for them. So he goes, this is the process that we have, and we've been doing it for like the last 50 years. They've been doing it since the Korean War. And so he goes, it's a very good idea that you want to just pour money into them because you, you, you see how they live. But he goes, you got to trust the process. And so here is the same thing. Paul's saying, hey, tongues is a great thing. There's nothing wrong with it. But sometimes it's not what that person needs, or sometimes it's not what the church needs, right? Especially if you're a new person, you come in here, someone's just speaking in tongues, it's going to sound different. It's going to sound weird. You're going to be like, where am I? I thought I was in America. I thought I was in Hawaii. I thought I was at Hope Chapel. And it might freak people out. So Paul's saying here, use what's the most useful. Um, and we're going to, uh, verse 9. He says, the same for you. If you speak in words they don't understand, how will you know what you're saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. There are many different languages in the world, and every language has meaning. But if I don't understand a language, I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it, and the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that strengthen the whole church. Again, you see their heart, the Corinthian church. They want the special abilities. They want the spiritual gifts. They're, they're actively, earnestly seeking him. And then Paul says, come back and just seek the ones that are, that are the most useful that will strengthen the whole church. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what is being said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. Well then, what should I do? I will pray in the Spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. For you, if you praise God only in the Spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? 
How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? You'll be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. Verse 19. But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but be mature in understanding matters of this kind. It is written in the scriptures, I will, speak to my, I will speak to my own people through strange languages and through the lips of foreigners, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Verse 22, so you see that speaking in tongues is a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. So when he's talking about this speaking in tongues, he's talking about the actual speaking in a foreign language, like how they did on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when they spoke in foreign languages. And it was like, what? I can't understand what they're saying. How is it? These guys are just Hebrews. Okay. You guys remember that part? Okay. Prophecy, however, is the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. Prophecy, right? To, to build up, to edify, to exhort, and to comfort the church. Even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking an unknown language, they will think you're crazy. But if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly here among you. Okay, so back to this thing, right? Again, the whole chapter is going to kind of be about this is why we should desire prophecy or this is why we should desire um, the useful gifts because speaking in tongues, again, it builds yourself up, but it doesn't build up anybody else. And in fact, not only that, it's going to confuse people and they're going to wonder what's going on. You know, I mean, have, has any of you guys ever gone to a foreign country and, you know, you didn't speak a lick of the language? Yeah? Then have any of you guys ever had to, like, deliver a message or give instructions in that foreign language? And, what, and how'd you guys do? Horrible. Even with a translator, it still doesn't always work, right? I mean, I, I go to Japan every year, and, and sometimes I'm just giving, like, the best message in the entire world, and I just feel like, man, the power of God's upon me. And sometimes, every once in a while, I, I tell a funny anecdote, and, and I tell my joke or whatever, and, like, my whole team laughs, and all the English speakers laugh, and then they translate it, and then there's dead silence. <laughs> and you just go, like, what did they say? Because when I said it, I thought it was a pretty good story. <laughs> How's nobody moved by this, you know, or, or this happens less often, but I'm preaching and people are crying, except for the foreigners, because they don't understand what I'm saying, <laughs> much like you guys are doing now. <laughs> but, you know, you think about it and you just go, yeah, it, it's, so, it's so useless if, if they don't understand, right? I, I, I went in there and they said, um, we went to this one project. All the, all the projects are housed in churches, so it'd be like Hope Chapel sponsored Compassion Kids and they just had a project here, or they had the kids come in throughout the week and they did their thing. And so they just go, oh, do you know a song or a dance? And I'm just thinking, wow. <laughs> um, that's exactly what I was thinking, exactly that. Like, <laughs> I went to Hawaii Baptist Academy. We don't dance there. <laughs> I have no rhythm. <laughs> um, so I'm like, I can, I can probably teach the hooky lao. <laughs> that, was a, that was an ordeal of itself. Because again, now I'm translating like, what does hooky lao mean to English, to to Filipino. So anyway, you know, you understand the frustration, right? It's, it's, it's so difficult when people, one, they don't know me, so they don't even know where I'm coming from, and then they don't understand what I'm saying. And you just think, that is, the, that is exactly what it's like. That's what speaking in tongues is to someone who doesn't understand what's happening. It's just, it's an awkward situation that they don't know what's going on. And so, you know, 
on, on a practical level, you know, Paul is telling them, yeah, don't do it because people don't understand you. On a spiritual level, I, I think, again, if you read between the lines, Paul's saying, I know you guys desire this gift because it's kind of a cool gift to have, right? I mean, it's, it's of all the gifts, you know, that, that are somewhat in your head you can define, you know what I mean? Like, I can define speaking an unknown language. It's real easy. It's just something I don't understand. But there's also, like, working in miracles. And I go, how do you define that? I mean, I think of, like, me being a superhero when you think working in miracles, but I don't know if that's exactly what it is because the Bible doesn't define it. So Paul's saying here, you know, like, I know you guys are desiring this gift, and it's great. But on a, on a, on a spiritual level, he's saying, that's the good, like, children's gift, right? That's the good gift that you want to desire because it's kind of cool and it's kind of neat. It's the new toy. But let's, let's, let's move past that. Let's, let's desire the better things. You know, um, it's all about the way we look at it, right? It's all about our perspective. It's all about how we view things. Do we want to do things for us? And again, there's a time and a place for it. Or do we want to do things for other people? I, I, I'm, um, well, not as much as before, but I, I used to be pretty heavy on Twitter. You guys know Twitter, right? It's kind of like Facebook, except 140 characters or less. Yeah. Yes? Okay, good. I always get worried when I make these kind of references to... Um, this service. <laughs> Just kidding. Do you know that? Do you know what the fastest growing demographic of Facebook is? Facebook, the fastest growing demographic in Facebook? Senior citizens. It's women between 60 and 80 because they want to see pictures of the grandkids. And they're learning how to use Facebook so they can keep connected with their family who's not around. So. Let that be a lesson to you, all you people who just judged old people. They're very computer savvy. I am not a judger. I am on your side. Anyway, so looking at Twitter. Okay, so one of the things I used to follow on Twitter is this guy who, who is called Rich World Problems. Okay, so like, you're like, what's a rich world problem? Like a rich world problem is, oh, I went to this restaurant and I really wanted a Coke, but they only serve Pepsi. Right? That's a rich world problem. Or um, my wife, I was talking to her when I was in the Philippines, where I, I called her on the phone and and she goes, oh, I really wanted Subway today, but there's no parking, so I have to go to McDonald's. You know, that's a rich world problem, right? Because they don't have that problem in the Philippines where I was. Right? They just they eat what they're going to eat. And so throughout this whole trip, I started just kind of making these jokes here and there as people started making what I would consider a rich world problem. Like we're at dinner one night, and, and it's, it's super hot there. I mean, I don't think I've ever, like people tell you it's hot, and I'm sure people that live in the desert in Arizona go to Vegas, it's hot there. But it's like this hot Humid, you know, humid heat where it's, it's you're just like you just sweat it's real gross and culturally you have to wear pants outside so we we're wearing jeans all day and then they didn't tell me that you know like in our little trip booklets said shorts are appropriate so I brought like a bunch of shorts and like one pair of jeans and then every day he'd be like oh tomorrow you guys gotta wear jeans yeah and we're like what I brought one pair like by the end of the trip they're standing up on their own it was disgusting <laughs> but anyway so we're talking about you know we're eating dinner one night and and like, for whatever reason, like, just two people on our whole table got, like, drink orders in. And so they ordered, like, these super nice-looking fruity things. You know, like, mango is real big there, so they have, like, this mango juice, and it looked real good. And the rest of us are all just staring at those drinks, right? And after a while, you can't even think anymore because you're just thinking, I'm so thirsty, and how come these two guys have drinks and nobody else does? And so finally, one guy in our group just goes, hey, did, did they take drink orders? How come no one else has drinks? And you just go, that's a rich world problem, right? Rich world problem. How come I didn't get my drink yet, but these two guys did? So anyway, so throughout our whole trip, all we're, doing, all we're doing is saying, you know, we started just trying to remind each other. Now, after this caught on, that, hey, the problems that we have are not real problems. I mean, they're, they're problems to us, but other people have way bigger problems. You know, I mean, we ask them many times, you know, in every home, like, hey, how many meals a day do you eat? 
You know, sometimes they say one, sometimes they say none. So what you guys are, what we're doing with compassion, I think is really good. That's a little side message. But anyway, it's all about perspective and keeping, making sure that you have the right perspective. So when we're talking about, you know, Paul's not knocking tongues to knock tongues. He's saying, tongues is fabulous. I speak in tongues more than all of you, and I wish that all of you did. But he says, I want to make sure that, that we all desire to do what's best. And he goes, I, that's why I desire that all of you guys would seek prophecy even more. Um, Pastor Tom had this, good, had this good analogy. And so what is the first thing you think of when you think of a peacock? Feathers. Okay, great. That's not what I was hoping you'd say, but that's okay. What are those feathers for? To, to get the girls, what do you say? They're ostentation, right? They're, they're just big flamboyant feathers so that you look at the peacock. And you would say, oh, that's very nice that the male peacock has those kind of things. You know what a female peacock's called? A peahen. I know, real clever, yeah? Um, but peacocks, right? He goes, yeah, they're there to be looked at. They're, there, they're designed so that, that the peahen looks at those things. And so, so Pastor Tom says, you don't want to be a peacock. He says, instead, what you want to be is a carrier pigeon. <laughs> like that's the worst analogy you've ever heard <laughs> I can't believe he said carrier pigeon and his whole thing is he says because carrier pigeons what they do is they're designed to go from point A to point B and he said in World War II you know some of these carrier pigeons delivered extremely um, useful pieces of information of intelligence from the back lines and he goes they didn't care about they didn't care about how they looked they didn't care how they got there you know, they're getting shot at. They're getting, I'm sure, people, once people figured out what they were doing, they tried to kill them real easily. But he said, what they do is they go from point A to point B, and that's, they're on a mission. They're on a focus, and they just go and do their thing. And he goes, that's what we want to be like. We want to know what our mission is. We want to know what our focus is. And when we do that, we just we zoom in on that. Right? In Vision May, we talked about having a laser-like focus, that we, we zoom in on it, and we stay the course. And so he's saying, don't be like the peacock, which is just there to be ostentatious, like my friend Paul says. That's a real good word. I think I learned it in SATs. Um, but I couldn't spell it if you asked me to. Ostentatious. Don't be that. But he says, rather, be like the carrier pigeon, which, which has a purpose, and their purpose is to go from point A to point B and to get there as, as fast as they can. And he goes, that's what you want to keep in your head. I got to be in a point in my life, in my walk, where I need to just go, God, what do you want me to do? And then go do it. And not, not, get, not to get distracted, not get thrown off course. Even though people are shooting at me, even though the enemy's trying to grab me, I'm just going to keep going ahead to where God has called me to be. And so, um, well, let's just, let's just keep reading then. Well, I'm sorry, let me, let me, read, let me write in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 and 15. And this is going to kind of just back this up. So if you have your Bibles, write down Ephesians or your notes. Ephesians 4, 13 through 15. This, and to define that pronoun, this, it's God using the gifts to build up the church. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try and trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is, the, who is the head of his body, the church. Okay, so he's saying, the purpose, what, why do we have the gifts? Because the gifts are there to build up the church so that they can know more and more what it's like, um, who, who God is. 
right? That they're not going to be blown, they're not going to be blown, tossed to and fro, they're not going to be immature, but they're going to understand, you know, who God is because there's the gifts in the church and because of what um, the gifts are doing. And in this case, the gifts that he's talking about are, you know, the apostles, the, the pastors, the evangelists, the teachers, and the prophets. But the whole point in this is, is that you can grow more and more like Christ every day. And in doing so, it'll keep that focus, just like that, car- that carrier pigeon, it'll keep that focus more and more tight every day. And so let's just, let's just wrap this up. Um, <laughs> sorry, by wrapping it up, I mean we still have a whole bunch more verses to read, but we'll just plow through it, okay? So starting in 26, we're going to read all the way through 40, and then we'll come back and talk about it a little bit more. It says, well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues, and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. Okay, so highlight that, underline that. Everything that is done, the purpose of it is to strengthen all of you. No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time, and someone must interpret what they say. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. Let two or three people prophesy and let the others evaluate what is said. Okay, that's also real key. You can let two or three prophesy and then let the others evaluate what they said. You can highlight that. But if someone is prophesying and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who is speaking must stop. In this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak, one after the other, so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. That's a kind of cool a cool thought there that, yep, you can, you can wait your turn. Again, verse 33, and this is the whole thing. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. Okay, so God's not a God of disorder, or you could probably just say God's a God of order and of peace. Verse 34, women should be silent during the church meetings. It is not proper for them to speak. They should be submissive, just as the law says. I know, okay, hang on, hang on, we'll talk about this. Before you guys get all crazy over here. <laughs> if they have questions, they should ask their husbands at home for it is improper for, for women to speak in church meetings. Or do you think that God's word originated with you Corinthians? Are you the only ones to whom it was given? If you claim to be a prophet or think you are spiritual, you should recognize that what I am saying is a command from the Lord himself. But if you do not recognize this, you yourself will not be recognized. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues, but be sure in everything, uh, but be sure that everything is done properly and in order. Okay, so let's talk about 34 and 35, because this is the one that always gets everyone all riled up and all crazy, and thankfully, I get to be the one to talk about it. <laughs> like five years ago, Pastor Ralph wasn't here either, and I got to talk about the five sex needs of women. That was probably the most awkward sermon I've ever given in my life. Anybody remember that? That whole, okay, anyway. It's fine. It's, it's not worth digging up. Um, anyway. Okay, so, so here, what is he saying there? Well, there's a couple of things that I think we have to look at when we're, when we're looking at this, this particular chapter and this particular set of verses 34 and 35. Because the easy thing to do is to read it and go, that's right, women shouldn't be talking in church. Amen. Let's pray, right? But, but it's not that simple because clearly, if you, look at, if you just look at the rest of the chapter, at the end of um, chapter 14, 
In verse 39, he says, so dear brothers and sisters, be eager to, prof- to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues. So here he's saying, clearly it's okay, dear brothers and sisters, it's okay for women to prophesy, right? He's saying, be eager for it. He's, he's telling them to get it. And I don't think he's saying that, um, that, oh, but that only means at home, to prophesy at home or to prophesy in your small group or to prophesy with just your husband or whatever, to prophesy in your women's group. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. So, I, so how does that relate to what's happening a few verses before? Well, a couple of things, I think. Um, one thing is, is when we read Corinthians, right, it's a letter to the church at Corinth. At Corinth. So we have to read it as such, as a letter to Corinth. And you can't say that everything in there is just universal to everybody because it might be specific to that church. Following so far? Um, I have a history degree, so this is what we have to do, right? You read letters and you go, okay, well, who is this letter? What, what are your three things, Ruby, when you always say, when you read the Bible, you ask, what is it saying? What is God saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? That's not the three things I was hoping for. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was something else, but... But that's, write that down. That's very good. <laughs> when you read the Bible, what's it saying? What God's saying to me? And what are you going to do about it? Okay, that's an aside. Sorry. Um, I was hoping, I don't know why I thought you had something about saying who is it written to and what's it saying to them. But, oh, that's Ralph's three things. Okay. <laughs> uh, but but you, what you want to read is, yeah, who is it written to? I mean, was it written to the church in Corinth or was it written to every Christian everywhere and it's supposed to be made gospel law? And in this case, I really believe it's written to the church at Corinth. Because also in verse, I mean, chapter 11, he says, but a woman dishonors her head if she prays or prophesies without a covering on her head. Right? So again, it's okay for women to pray and to prophesy. He's not at all saying that it shouldn't be that way. He's saying, in fact, two chapters earlier, three chapters earlier, and it happens, and just right after that, he's saying women to earnestly seek it. So he's not saying that you shouldn't say that. I believe, really, when I read this thing, um, what, I, what I really believe is, is Paul's writing this letter to the church at Corinth as a response to some things happening in their church, right? I would imagine in their church, and, and again, we don't have that letter, so we don't know what it says, but I would imagine that people were getting all crazy speaking in tongues, and so he has to write to them and go, hang on, let's do this in order because God's an orderly God. I would imagine that people are going up there and going, I have a word from God, and they give it in tongues, and there's no interpretation, and so Paul has to write to them and say, hey, if there's no interpretation, then don't do it. I guess following where I'm going with this, right? So when you read that, just keep that in mind, that you always want to, you always want to understand, too, who is it being written to and what was their situation like? Because it, 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 in that case, I don't think, again, he's saying as a universal truth that women shouldn't be speaking at all. I think what he's saying, again, is, is very cultural and very specific. So can we still be friends? <laughs> yes, yay, thanks. My favorite. Um, but, but to wrap this up, because the whole thing, the whole thing really is about, hey, what can we do that will best convey God or convey Christ, or how can we best deliver a message that won't have distractions in it, that won't hold people back, that won't, that won't even cause people to look at it and think, hmm, that, that's kind of weird. Maybe this Christianity thing is not for me. You know, one of the things that, uh, that I really respect about our church is, is that we don't jump aboard every single cause and every single every single. Uh, rally or whatever, you know, that, that we are real thoughtful of because we always want to make sure that, that we're not jumping on something that's going to that's gonna, um, ostracize other people or isolate them or whatever you might want to say. You know, I mean, there's things out there, and, and believe me, there are just tons of good causes out there, right? And, and I get the, um, the webmaster at hopechapel.com 
So I get a bunch of those emails. And there's tons of great things that you just go, oh, this is good. I praise God that you guys are doing that. But we can't say yes to everything. And praise God that we have pastors that, that are cognizant of that. And they go, we don't want to spread ourselves out too thin. Because there's also things that you go, there's issues that, that are neither right nor wrong. Just people are passionate about it. You know what I mean? Especially now that we come into election season. People throw all these kind of things at you. And there's pros and cons to everything. But if you pick you know, option A or option B, I don't think one is necessarily a sin against God. And, and if we made a stand, if we said, oh, we, we choose option A, then all the option B guys would be like, I can't believe you just did that. I'm leaving this church. And we would not be effective as a church. So what Paul is saying is, he's saying, hey, you know, make sure that what we're doing is not distracting other people. You want to be open to having new people come in and they'll be able to walk in and not get a political speech or not get a, some kind of stance on that. But instead, we want to be Christ to everyone. Amen? So, you know, I mean, just to think about this, what do we do from here? You know, what, what Pastor Ruby was saying. Well, what, what can we do with it? Well, the first thing is, I think, you know, if you're in a mini church, pray to receive the, the, most, the most useful gift. And, and if you read through uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 12, you see a whole list of them, and different gifts are going to be useful in different circumstances. Prophecy would be very useful in the church. It's probably also really useful in mini church, right? Gifts of healing are probably really useful in the hospitals or when someone's sick. Probably not so useful if no one there is sick. Does that make sense? So you're saying, pray for what's useful. What can we do? What can we do to strengthen each other? How can we build each other up? You know, the prayer again is, God, how can you use me today to bless somebody else? How can I encourage somebody else? How can I pick somebody up? You know, and, and you pray those prayers in the morning, and you're going to run into people that you haven't run into. How are you doing? Oh, I, I just had surgery, or whatever it is, you know? Or, or my mom just had a heart attack. Or you run into people, or, or God puts a, a thought into your head, and you, you call them, and you go, hey, I was just thinking about you. I don't even know why you just popped into my head. But God will do that kind of stuff to you, because sometimes people just need to hear an encouraging word. Sometimes people just need to hear that they're loved. Right? Sometimes people just need to hear that they're not alone. You know, and, and I think if we just even commit to the next week and just going, hey, every day I want to just pray that I run into someone or God puts some, someone in my head that just needs encouragement and then we act on it. Right? Can we try that? Yeah, let's try that. So uh, next, <laughs> next week Saturday, I'm not sure if I'm going to be here or not, but maybe I can come in just to check on you guys. Um, <laughs> you know what? Just email webmaster at hopechapel.com. <laughs> But you'd be amazed at how easy it is when you just go, God, who, who, do you need, who needs a, an, an encouraging word? Who needs your love? How many people just you run into or whatever? It, it is actually amazing um, when that happens. We, we had this thing around here about like seven years ago. We just said, just try to pray for someone every day. And, and at first you think, that's so weird. Like, I'm not going to go up to you and just go, hey, do you need prayer? But once you start doing it, you find that people are very receptive to prayer. If you just say, hey, what can I pray for you about? And they just go, okay, well, I'm glad you asked. And you get to just pray with them. And it takes three minutes, maybe, depending on how long you pray. But it's real easy if we just do it. So why don't, we, why don't we just make that our goal for this next week? God, how can we strengthen other people? And then specifically, who do you want me to strengthen? And who do you want me to lift up? Okay? All right, let's try it. Um, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we thank you for the gifts that you've given us. Uh, really, Father, just to bless other people. And Father, to make your name known, to make your love known, to make your goodness known. Father, I pray just for, for my friends here, for our congregation, that you would really impress upon our heart 
just the names of people that you want us to talk to or faces that you want us to, to call, or even, Father, just those random encounters that, that we run into people at Long's and we had no idea why you hadn't seen them in the last 10 years. Father, I pray that you would just let us always, always be on the lookout for people that need to be built up and need to be strengthened. And Father, I pray that you'd open those doors and, and, and Father, let us just be your agents of love out there in the world. Father, I thank you so much, again, just for, for the goodness that you show to us by even giving us this Bible and letting us know who you are, Father, that we'd be able to know your character, know your personality, and just know who you are every, every, every day more and more. Father, we thank you and we just praise you. And I just want to say one more prayer, and this is just the prayer that just says, um, I don't even know if I know Jesus. I don't even know what, maybe even what you're talking about, but, but God sounds like a good God, and I want to get to know him. And the Bible tells us that if you just believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you can have a relationship with him, and you can know God, and you can know his goodness. And so what I want to do is I just want to say a quick prayer, and this prayer just says, I don't know you, Jesus, but I want to know you. Come into my heart. And I'll pray out loud, and you can pray silently in your heart. But what I want to know is just who's praying with me. And so what I'd like to do is I just want you to signal me. If you want to pray that with me, just raise your hand. I'll count to three, and then everyone's looking down. So if you want to just raise your hand so that I know that we're praying together. When I count to three, then go ahead and do that. One, two, three. Raise your hand if you want to say that prayer with me. Okay, I don't see anyone, so go ahead and look up. So, well, that gives us uh, some more things to pray about, right? If, if I don't see anybody accepting Christ. That's, that's a nice thing because my assumption is everyone here knows him, but it also means we got work to do. So as we go out this week, let's look for people not only that need some hope, some hope but also someone that we can invite to church. Pastor Rob? Thank you, Scotty.